Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Hey there, Moto America fans. It's Paul Carruthers. I'm the communications manager for Moto America. And this is Off Track, our weekly podcast in which we uh, talk about all things Moto America. And today we have a special guest with us, um, our two-time stock 1000 champion, Andrew Lee. Uh, he had a great year in 2018, and he had an even better year in 2019. But we'll get to him momentarily. First of all, I would like to introduce my counterpart in crime, uh, and his name is Sean Vice. He's out in Ohio. I'm in, in California. And thanks to the uh, remarkable technology of... Uh, of today's day and age, we are all able to connect and, and bring some information to you guys, the listener and our race fans. So, Sean, how are you today? Doing great. Yeah, this this time of year is tough, Paul, because I don't get to, I mean, I talk to you every day and we, we communicate constantly, but I don't get to see your face. So, it's, it's, a, it's a little poignant for me, but I'm glad at least we're having this conversation together. It brings us closer. So, it's, it's, uh, and it's, this is, this is the closeness time of the year, right? With the holidays. So, we can get all mushy like that. Yeah, and just so you know, I still have that same youthful glow and um, and happy look on my face, and my life is wonderfully great, and uh, all's good. Wow, that's man! If we could only live up to that standard for all of this, life would be perfect, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know, we all have some big things to be grateful for. So as long as you remember that, I think uh, the good usually comes above the bad. So yeah, I'm pumped. Definitely. So it's funny. Our guest today, I always call him Northern Californian, but Apparently he's a San Diegan now, just just like you, uh, Paul. So, uh, well, it'll be interesting. To I talk know. I was ex I was excited to hear that. You know, he uh, I didn't know he was down in San Diego, but but he is, and he'll talk to us a little bit about that. But uh, no, it's kind of cool. He's down there. It also means he's pretty close to me. So maybe we'll actually get to see him instead of just talk to him. But uh, yeah, I'm sure he's liking San Diego, as you know. That's where I cut my teeth, so to speak. Um, so yeah, with Jake, you got Jake Gagne, you got Josh Hayes down there. It's amazing how many riders from that area, or at least living, you know, part of the year in that area. It's it's got to be a pretty delightful place to be, I guess, riding bicycles and doing all kinds of things, right? Well, yeah, and if you remember, I mean, San Diego um, was the hotbed for for motocross riders back in the day. Yeah, um, you know, the Cajon Zone they called it, El Cajon, and. There was Rick Johnson and Brock Glover and Scotty Burnworth. And I mean, all kinds of guys came from there that just dominated uh, motocross and supercross. So it's, it's always got a, it's, it's always, it's got a strong motorsports background. So it makes perfect sense that Andrew's down there and, you know, Josh Hayes and his guys are, are fairly close. They're just a half an hour up the, up the coast from where Andrew, I believe is. So yeah, yeah, he's in a, he's in a good spot. Yeah, And Paul, speaking of motorsports, people from that area, um, isn't it true? You've told me before, but you, you can tell the listeners this. So Don Vesco, it, was he from San Diego? And that's why you guys lived in San Diego, right? Yeah, Don Vesco had his shop on Main Street in El Cajon. And when we first came to this country, we came because Don offered my dad to have a ride here. And yeah, we, we, sh we flew into New York and picked up a car and drove from New York across the country and, and ended up in El Cajon. And it's funny how it worked out because I mean, obviously it, it was a great place and we ended up staying. I think if, if, if Don Vesco was in, um, 
you know, maybe a less desirable place. My dad would have raced for a year or two and we would have gone back to Australia. So yeah. it worked out well for me that, that, that it was El Cajon in San Diego that we went to first because my parents liked it and, and we obviously liked it and that's where we made our home. So yeah, that's how that all worked out. That's cool. Um, well, I mean, Northern California is nice too. I'm interested to find out why Andrew has decided to go all the way further south. Is the, is the weather better down there or what, what's that all about, you know? Um, let's find out. Oh yeah, Northern California does shouldn't even exist. <laughs> but let's get Andrew's opinion. <laughs> morning, Andrew. How are you? Good morning, guys. Um, on that Northern California note, uh, I could kind of see why you would say that. <laughs> Sacramento is the cream of the crop of California, probably right. <laughs> well, it is the you capital. Know, right? one. It is the capital. I mean, come on. It, it is. Oh yeah. Ooh. Wait, I don't know, you know the capital of what, but it's, it's <laughs> something. Something I've always wondered is when you look on a map, that part of Cal that's not really that north, is it? Technically, I never look on the map. I try to stay away from education. <laughs> <laughs> what do you What do you mean? It's not that far north compared to what? Well, like I don't Finland? Know. What's uh? I don't know. Uh, Eureka, California. It's five. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's. You know, if it, I think if just if it's not Southern California, then the rest of it is northern. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's like was, it's like from LA North. California. <laughs> yeah, which I, doesn't I was, even exist. Yeah, so I mean, I I grew up in Fresno, which if you talk to anyone else in California, it's either Northern California or Southern California. <laughs> There's no such thing as Central. So right, I think you just anything above LA is NorCal, and anything. Under that is SoCal. That you know, yeah, that's it. I, I think it's probably something that happens in a lot of states too, because I this used to bug the crap out of me. In fact, it still does. When people that refer to upstate New York, and I grew up in New York State, and I always add state to the end of it, everybody thinks that if you're not, if it's not like Long Island or the metropolitan area of New York City, upstate New York is like. 15 miles north of there. Well, where I grew up, I mean, I was really a long ways away from New York City. And when I'd hear upstate, I would like, oh, you're from White Plains, New York, and you call that upstate? I said, that's the, that's the, the dirty south of New York for me. <laughs> so um, I, guess it, I guess it happens with every state, but kind of, it's, always, it's like with SoCal, it's like, oh, if it's not in SoCal, everything else is NorCal or whatever. And if, if you're not in the city of New York, then yeah, it's just upstate. Nobody cares about that. But I, I didn't know there was anything other than New York City. I thought it was just that. That's this right. That's what, that's what that's what out here. We think of New York State as just like being, you know, like Rhode Island could kick the shit out of it in a war. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I mean, is there upstate Rhode Island or not? No, Rhode Island, <laughs> Rhode Island is pretty small, but New York's a big state. I mean, you got the Buffalo area, you got all kinds of stuff. So got, well, thanks for the geography lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I, don't, I don't, I don't think so. But no, Andrew, tell us, tell us about, lying. tell us about you being down in in San Diego and what that's what that's all about. Are you? Do you did you move? Uh, so actually, at the beginning of the this year I was staying up in Reno, Nevada and uh I enjoyed training at that elevation, but right about now we're getting snow up there. So uh I took the initiative to accidentally move down to San Diego and I've been enjoying the weather down here and uh riding some dirt bikes and go to the gym. I'm actually living with my personal trainer right now, so I've just been um kind of staying in shape and not eating so many bonbons and cookies and stuff. So it's it's been pretty good. 
You're not you're not very far from uh, Oceanside. You'll have to you have to go over and see what's going on with Josh Hayes's uh, J Force camp over there. Are you going to check that out? Yeah. So actually, one day we went out to uh, Paula or I guess Fox Raceway, and uh, Josh met me out there, and he saw me ride a dirt bike for the first time, and he saw me uh, go straight over a berm and onto my head. <laughs> so that was a really good first impression for him. Uh, I think my invite got revoked after that, so maybe uh, just gonna have to stay down in San Diego. I don't know. Now you're, I think you're pretty handy on a motocross bike. Yeah, that's you? what I've heard. Yeah, well, I never rode a two-stroke. I never rode a two-stroke, and I rode my buddy's two-stroke in the first lap on that bike. Uh, I kind of just went straight over a berm. So <laughs> yeah, you ran out of engine braking. Yeah, that's yeah, was. yeah. <laughs> More so, I ran out of talent, so <laughs> Maybe both. Yeah. it just wasn't a great expedition for me. <laughs> wow. Um, so, Andrew, hey, let's get into it. I want to ask you, do you comparing your first, you've won two consecutive Stock 1000 championships on the same, well, it's the same make a bike. I know you changed the bike a little bit, I guess, or maybe it's the same. You could tell us about that. But, you know, compare the two the two uh, championships. Was the, was the second one harder, easier, you know, did, because you were used to it? Tell you know, did you tell us, did you, were you, uh, let, let me ask it this way. The first one, maybe you were like, I don't know what's going to happen with this, but I ended up winning. So that's really cool. Maybe the second one, you got the number one on there. It's always hard to defend number one. So, and maybe you expected to do it. So you had even more impetus, you know, tell us about the mentality of winning two championships in a row in that class. Yeah. So, I mean, 2018 was my first year on a 1000. So I kind of came into that. Uh, wanting to learn, obviously wanting to w win, but I mean, as a first year in a class, you kind of expect to lose. Um, so I, I think my 18 mindset to my 19 mindset changed it a little bit, but I think the difference between those two seasons was um, it, the talent level in that class definitely got a lot deeper. I feel like that the top seven or eight in the class this year were really, really solid guys. I mean, Battling with the likes of Stefano Mesa, Jeff May, Michael Gilbert, Corey Alexander when he decided to show up. Um, it, it, it was really, it pushed me to become better. And I, I think the mindset coming into this year was a, a lot of pressure. I mean, I had that number one on the bike. And a, as a racer, you never just want to lose that number one. I feel like that's kind of a, a hit that you don't really want to take. So I, um, it's just, it motivated me to be a better rider, and I think with the support that I got from Franklin Armory and Graves Kawasaki, that I, I really had a program and a package that I could take to each track each weekend and know that this bike can win. It just has to be me that goes out there and completes the task. How different was the bike between the two years? Um, it honestly, it wasn't too much different. I think the big difference was. In 2018, uh, my bike got built out of my crew chief, Derek Keyes' garage, and he did a phenomenal job. I mean, he he's really helped me leaps and bounds uh, since we started working together, I think, 2016 or 2017. He's really elevated me as a rider. Um, but 2019, we kind of gave Graves Kawasaki the reins, and we let them build our bike this year. But and they kind of know what they're doing. Too much difference. Yeah, they know a thing or two. And 
So, and you raced in AFM. I mean, eight, eight wins and. Go I'm ahead, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You, and yeah, and yeah. that was part of Graves' program. So you did a fair amount. Did you did you race all the rounds for AFM, or how, how did that work? And did did you use that to try to train? You know, keep yourself sharp for Moto America. Uh, I aimed to do all the races at AFM. Um, uh, round two at Buntwilla, I tried to lock right. my finger off, so I didn't miss <laughs> that right. round. Um, and then I missed the penultimate round because it was conflicting with Barber. So I raced Barber instead, but yeah, I did, uh, all the rounds last or this season at AFM minus those two with the Graves team. And I feel like even working with those guys, it kind of elevated me. I mean, the, the equipment was the same that I was racing at Moto America, but more so just kind of learning the mentality that that crew had. I mean, they have a lot of accolades in their career as a team. And I feel like once you're under that, that tent that it kind of has to uh you have to elevate yourself to th that standard right but um i did the whole year on their zx10r and then the last round i did their zx6r and man let me tell you that that bike was oh that was a joy ride that bike was awesome i love that bike now did you lose any races in afm Oh yeah, I lost a lot. I mean, why? Why? And yeah. to who? Well, so um, my teammate Valentin DeBeese obviously has a lot of experience, and we were on the same bike, so I feel like we kind of traded wins here and there. Um, and then Jason Uribe on his superbike Honda was there, and I mean, honestly, it was just like a mini Moto America weekend every time we were there. So right. that also helped me elevate a lot, um, but. It's just, I feel like coming on an off weekend where you're not at Moto America and you're still getting your butt handed to you, it makes you be like, okay, well, this is where I can improve. And I feel like that's kind of where my season kind of elevated because Valentin DeBeast is such a phenomenal rider and so is Jason Uribe. So I feel like those two gentlemen kind of forced me to become a better rider. Okay, so that leads... That leads us to now, right. kinda. I mean, there's probably some gap <laughs> in there. But as far as as going to to the next season, which is 2020, what 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 do we got going? What what's Andrew Lee up to? Uh, I wish I could report stuff to you guys, but unfortunately, I don't really have anything to report regarding 2020. Um, right now, my my uh, game plan is just kind of what I'm doing right now. I'm riding dirt bikes. I'm riding my bicycle, uh, going to the gym five days a week. I'm just trying to be in the best shape I can be. That way, hopefully, if I get a call for next season, that, I, uh, that I'm just ready to go ride. But as of right now, I don't really have anything for 2020. Do you, are you confident that that's going to change? Yeah, um, I, I like to think so. Uh, I feel like at the last two seasons, I've done pretty well for myself and for my team. I mean, I've uh, been pushing pretty hard for the past few years. So uh, I could say that when when an opportunity arises, I, I hope I can uh, jump on it and perform how they, they want me to perform. Andrew, tell us about this scenario. So, you know, it seems like one of the 
reasons for having stock 1000, you know, is to give younger riders and, and you are a younger rider. I pointed this out before that people think you're older than you are, but you're, you're still not 21 yet. Although fans out there, his birthday is January 5th. He hates people to know his birthday, but it is January 5th. Make sure you get in touch with him because he's <laughs> won two championships now. He's got to talk about his birthday. So he'll be 21 on January 5th. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. But um, that the, the, the class <laughs> Stock 1000 is sort of to prepare younger riders for Superbike. Uh, but you would do Superbike. You would do Supersport in Moto America. Is your inkling to want to be more on Superbike because that's the premier class? And do you think that you're ready to, to race in that class? Yeah, so um, I feel like Moto America, there's there's talent in each class. I mean, even as far down as like uh, the Junior Cup, right? I mean, there's talent at the top and everywhere. So for me, obviously, the most talented class would have to be Superbike, and I feel like the best way for me to learn is to be be in that class. So uh, my preference would obviously be Superbike, but at the end of the day, I just like being on two wheels and I like seeing a green and a checkered flag. So uh, if I got an offer to go race the Twins Cup or Super Sport or just about anything with a motor and two wheels, I'd probably accept it in a heartbeat. He's even young enough to do Junior Cup, but... I am, yeah. I was actually <laughs> going to ask you, Paul, if uh, you would allow me to do that. Yeah, I think I could, I could, uh, I could bend somebody's ear at the AMA and maybe get you to drop down a couple of classes in the licensing and yeah. see if we can get I've you on a junior the, cup bike. I've heard that the mere mention that of that fun, causes yeah. our chief operating officer uh, Chuck Axland to cringe, but it's like, hey, you're eligible. <laughs> You've got the, you're in the age group, so uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, why not? Um, yeah, and you might be able to do okay now that 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 Rocco <laughs> kid's true. kind of leaving. Man, I am – on that note, I'm so happy for Rocco. The fact that he's doing that Red Bull Rookies Cup, I mean, that's so stellar. I'm, I'm really pumped for him. That was – Yeah, that's awesome. Too. He, I yeah, mean, he, there are a lot of guys that were tried out for that. That was pretty impressive that he got that. Yeah, I mean, he, he's obviously doing better than I did because I tried out, I don't know, I was like I think 12 or 13, I don't know, 2013 maybe. Uh, that was like right when I was getting into road racing, I'd never been on a big track at that point. So, uh, I, going over to Spain to try out for rebel rookies cup and obviously I didn't make it, but I mean, that was an experience. So the fact that he got in on that is super awesome, man, your eyes must've gotten big when you got over there. Oh yeah. Because I came from motocross and stuff. So I was like, just going to kind of, you know, wing it. And, uh, it didn't work out, but here I am, you know, learning for my own. Uh, I think that series is super awesome, so I'm excited to see what Rocco can do in there. So tell me a little bit about um, what what do you know about this Superbike Cup that Moto America is doing for next year? I mean, we haven't made it public yet, but I guess we kind of are now. Uh, the teams and riders know about it. Um, what is that something that, that – I mean, it obviously would allow you to – to maintain eligibility. Uh, is that something you're interested in? Do you see that that's going to help some people? Yeah. Um, I think that's a really cool opportunity for, I, I feel like the up and coming people, I mean, I feel like that, that class is going to be really good for like the people, um, like Ashton Yates, right. Jumping off the 600, getting in the stock 1000. 
it, it it's a big difference, but I feel like once we kind of build that cup class a little bit, that it it's more so like you're actually in that next step to be in Superbike. Um, and I feel like stock 1000 without the cup class is that next step as well. But I feel like it's just a step further with that cup class. Um, as far as me being interested in it, oh yeah, I'd, I'd love to race that. I think that um, once they kind of get the details finalized for that, I feel like that's going to be a really solid step for me and my career. But obviously, I'm also kind of aiming to do just just super bike. So, uh, but if I can't do just super bike, the the cup class it gives me a spot to kind of make that half step up into that next class. That's a good way of looking at Andrew, it. Andrew, one of the uh, sponsors that you had this year was very unusual. You you brought a sponsor from outside the industry in in Franklin Armory, and it you know you did a great job with activating him uh, him them the brand, and you know great job with the logo on the side. And you always mention him. You're real good in the press conferences and stuff. That do you anticipate that Franklin Armory is going to continue with you? Depending on uh, can you bring that. Uh, with you to a team that may want to have you ride for them? Do you know? Uh, you know, I, I feel like that that sponsorship, it, it went really well. Um, the guys and girls at that company, um, they're obviously guns and motorcycles kind of go hand in hand. It's two worlds, right? Um, and, and I feel like I as not, I feel like something people kind of don't realize about motorcycle racers is we kind of play a couple of different roles. And I mean, part of my role is to be an advertiser, right? So I feel like I, I did my best to market them in a positive image. And, uh, I hope that moving forward, maybe coming into next year that I can bring them along to a different team or I don't know, do, do, do our own program again. Uh, I enjoyed having them on the bike and I, I got a lot, a lot of positive feedback regarding them. So um, I'd like to, I'd like to see him back in the paddock for sure. The other thing we noticed about you, every time we uh, do anything with you on social media, where we use Andrew Lee racing, I will notice like the people that like it. And most of the time, especially on Instagram, <laughs> there's so many people that are like clearly from Japan um, you are, I picture you as a conquering God. Yeah. When you go there, I just picture them holding you up on one of those thrones and carrying you through the, the place because of your racing at Suzuka. And you just have a lot of fans in Japan. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know like how I got a fan base over there, but I know that that Suzuka eight hour I did the team and I did pretty successful and uh I, I think that was such an amazing experience for me as a person and me as a racer I feel like I, traveling overseas I mean I went over there flew there by myself into a foreign country and kind of it, it's it's really difficult I mean I I could barely speak English so going to Japan I could definitely not speak Japanese um it, it it was uh it was a task and a half, but that was a super cool experience, and I I think I did pretty well. So, uh, I think some of the people over there kind of grew accustomed to to my name, and that I think they like to keep track of me. I know the team over there and I are on really good terms, and I'm hoping to get back there for the eight hour again next year. It was kind of 
that's my big goal right now. Sean, he probably got a lot of fans just based on the fact that he was able to find <laughs> his way from the airport to the racetrack. Cause yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I could barely do that at like barbers. So, I mean, the fact that I could do it in Japan, I was flabbergasted. I would say I'm like, Oh, I don't know how to get to the track here from Birmingham to uh, what is it? Irondale or something uh, beyond me like that. Sometimes I feel like Moto America should give, give me an award for that. Yeah, I mean, that's, there. All that's right. Um, you, you talked a little bit about the yeah. ZX6R, and last year when that came out, the bike, the price point on that bike was pretty great. And I, I actually thought there was going to be more, there were going to be more Kawasaki's in the on the grid in 600. But let's just say possibly, you know, push comes to shove, and you were saying you'd ride in any class. You've had some some experience on that ZX6R, and and think it's a good package. Um, you know, would you race in that class? And how how do you think? with a rider of your caliber and what you know about the bike, how do you think it would do? Because I don't, I, it feels like it hasn't had a fair shake in super sport yet. W where are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, uh, I, when I was kind of getting into road racing, I, I went 600, then 1000 and, uh, my 600 trials mm -hmm. were lackluster to say. Um, so when I got the call from Chuck, he said, Hey, are you interested in just racing the 600 this week? And I was like, yeah, but okay. I'm a little bit nervous. Cause I mean, last time I was on a 600, it was, I was battling for 13th in super sport. I mean, it, it just wasn't too great. I was, and I was on the, my R six. Um, and I went race Thunder Hill and my best time ever on a 600 there prior to this last round, I did a, a 50.1 or 50.0 on my R six. And I went there on my ZX6, and wow. I did a 48.1. And so I was basically two seconds faster, and that was my first weekend on the bike. So I, I think the package that Graves is bringing with that ZX6R, it, it's a race-winning bike. We just need to put some riders on it that that have the drive to uh, – I mean, you're going to have some hiccups. I mean, there's not much data on the bike since it's only been ridden by two guys at – at pace this year so i i feel like you're definitely going to have some hiccups here and there but it's just finding somebody who is driven enough to want to want to conquer those trials and errors and um i i think that if i was given the opportunity to do it i i would like to see that i was fighting for podiums and maybe some wins here and there um but yeah i I believe with an unbiased opinion that that ZX6R is no worse than any other bike. And I feel like it's got some strong suits compared to the other 600 that I have rode. So what do we do to get Chuck Graves to show up at our races with that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. You guys should call him. I don't, I'm just All right, a racer. We'll, we'll call him next. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I don't know. If you bring him out there, just tell him that, hey, we want you at the rounds and we, we want Andrew to be your rider. So if you guys do that for me, I'll, I'll be very grateful. <laughs> no, well, we, we wouldn't even, we won't even allow him back in the paddock unless he brings you. How's that? Oh, perfect. Yeah. Make, make sure you know, he knows we that. talked to, we had seen, uh, Valentin DeBeast was at, uh, Laguna and I, I know Paul saw him. I saw him talk to him a little bit and he, he made it pretty well known how badly he wants to get back in Moto America. And, um, you, you were his teammate. So that, 
what's it like to be Valentin's teammate? He's he's an interesting guy in that he's got a real good sense of humor, and I think he's a very genuine and warm person. But sometimes things get a little lost in translation with the, you know his his being French. Um, what what was it? What was what's it like to to be to share a tent with him? You know, I mean, sometimes things do get lost in translation, but. Uh, when I was in Japan, nothing got lost because nothing was translated. So it was kind of a little, it was a step in the right direction with, uh, Valentin. He and I, uh, we, I feel like we rode good together. He's a great racer and I, I enjoyed racing him. Get back in the rider's lounge and he's eating like a bundle of avocados and stuff. And, you know, I, I just think he has a, a really good racer mentality and he's a good person to be around because he wants. He, I think he wants to win so bad that <laughs> he just doesn't, like, he'll do anything to go out there and win, win the race. So I think that for me, seeing that, it it's, helps me kind of evaluate some things a little differently. I mean, being he's been around a lot longer than I have, so it kind of gives me another mentality to kind of almost emulate and uh, strive for. It's funny because I, I read actually Sean's story that he did with you um, t for today's uh, on the Moto America website, uh, the five questions with. And mm -hmm. it, I mean, it is accurate that people just think you're older than you are. I mean, as, as Sean so kindly pointed <laughs> out, um, he's January got a birthday 5th. coming up. But I, I can't, I, I mean, I think I think you nailed it on the head in there where you 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 sound a lot more mature than than you actually are. It's kind of like when we had Sean Dylan Kelly on here. It's like at the time he was 16 years old and you're like there's there's no way this guy's 16 and it seems the same with you. Um but I but I think you nailed it on the head with the fact that like you 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 speak well and 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 thought and you have thoughtful things to say. So is that is that is that have you been like that your whole life? Like when you were 6 did you know people think you were 14? <laughs> um you know i feel like a lot of people <laughs> maybe some disagree that i uh speak well and maybe uh not everyone likes me but i feel like my i feel like i kind of came into my own uh a few years ago I, like certain events happened and it kind of made me mature a little bit quicker and i feel like in the motorcycle industry that it it's a little bit different than everything else that people go through in their lives um i mean Realistically, I've been at the motorcycle track every year since I was five years old. So 15 years, I've been around different people, different ages. I mean, just, just everybody from every walk of life, right? You, you got people who are plumbers, and then you got people who are executives at companies, and you kind of, you treat everyone the same. And I feel like as I was growing up that I... um grew up around a lot older people so that kind of my my demeanor was always like a little bit older than kind of I mean you could kind of see it a lot in high school that everyone just wanted to go out there and get a little twisted and go party and go do dumb <laughs> things and try to go to jail or whatever they want to do I, I didn't even really follow their, their well I didn't follow them too much but I feel like my my uh my demeanor from high school and everything was uh, anything that I do in life, I just want it to be a step in the right direction and progress as an individual. And I feel like um, from when I turned 16 to now that I feel like I've ta taken some steps to kind of 
I just want to be a better person. It's kind of like going to the track and want to do a better lap time. It's uh, it's the same for me just with life that I just want to, you know, wake up today and just be a better person than I was yesterday. So, so you haven't been to jail? No, not too many times. I I try to stay out of there. I I try to do like a little <laughs> ritual, maybe once a year, kind of visit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, just so I'm like, hey guys, I'll be here for about a week and then I'm going home. You know, just a little misdemeanor. Nothing to nothing to be scared of. I, I haven't. Boy, I've been as many times as I've tried to tell a cop what to do and I they've done something him. wrong. Yeah. I've never been to jail, but I, I'm surprised I haven't been. That they, yeah. I, I feel like when you're being detained by a cop, Sean, that you kind of just like keep talking, and he's trying to like interject a little bit, so he's just detaining you to like kind of shut you up. He's like, "Hey, Sean, I understand that you want to talk. Hey, 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 stop, stop, stop. We're just." Let me get a word in here. Yeah. Yeah. He, he wants to get him out of his car as That's, quickly as he can and just give him back to exactly society be, so yeah, he doesn't have to listen exactly. to him. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to drop you off here. You can stay here. I was going to take you to jail, but that's another 20 minutes. Yeah, I have to deal yeah. with well, I'm glad you haven't um, been to jail, Sean, because I don't know. I just, I thought, you know, in the back of my mind somewhere, there was a thought that maybe you'd, you know, spent yeah, six months well, in the you, in Listen, the big to house. change the subject real quick, but not, not too far away from it, but... I had to bring up the fact that Paul, if you read this story, you you saw that the bonus question where I, you know I, <laughs> and we we know oh, going back the to the the um, oh, yeah. the banquet, oh. our night of champions. So people that are by now that have read the article or can read the article, there's a bonus question where I ask a question about Greg White and and Andrew's got kind of a funny relationship with Andrew, and it has to do with the fact that Andrew's good friends with Jason Pridmore, who is the obviously on the broadcast with Greg and Michael Gilbert, who race, who was an instructor for JP 43 is good friends with Andrew too. So it's kind of a little conglomeration of guys that really tend to poke fun at each other. Is that, is that accurate, Andrew? Is that a way to put that? Yeah. I, I think a lot of my personality is uh, I like to like tease people and it, it's not to uh, uh, it's obviously no ill intentions. I just, uh, for me, I feel like that's kind of how I show like compassion. I I, I enjoy Greg. He's a great guy, and uh, getting to know him a little bit this year, he uh, he made a comment at one point this season, and <laughs> at, as a racer, I I'm I have a really fragile ego because I I like to uh, I like to win. And Greg one one weekend said that Andrew's a really good rider, but he just lacks that explosive speed. And I'm like, oh really, Greg? What's that supposed to mean? So uh, it kind of hurt my, uh, my single feeling that I had. And, uh, so <laughs> once he poked fun at me a little bit like that, that I kind of, the floodgates were open per se. So, uh, ever since that round, I've kind of made it, made a ritual of every weekend. I want to just go up to him and say one <laughs> thing to him that, uh, kind of makes him think a little bit. And so it kind of translated into, uh, he said something at the, the uh, end of year ceremony at Barber about, I, I forgot what it was, but I felt like it was a perfect opportunity to uh, poke fun at him a little bit, but I, uh, no, I, I really enjoy the guy. He's, he's a good guy and got Jason and everyone in that broadcast. I, I mean, Hannah Lopa, I, I enjoy, I enjoy everyone at Moto America. I think that Moto America as a corporation just has a, uh, a great, atmosphere as a big family so 
I mean, I'll poke fun at my dad, I'll poke fun at my brother, and I kind of bring that over uh, into the professional atmosphere at Moto America. Hopefully, people don't get too offended of it, but oh, what that, <laughs> that at that I'm night, a little warm and fuzzy we now, were Sean. All, we were all laughing so hard because yeah. you know, I mean, Greg's got the bully pulpit up there. He's up on stage. He's kind of poking fun at everybody and what they're wearing, and and you kind of gave it back to him. So it was yeah. pretty terrific. Good to see. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I want to touch a little bit on Paul. He says he feels warm and fuzzy. And I, I just wanted to let you know, Paul, that the San Diego Sun has treated you well. You're looking really great for the off season. So I think what's your plans for 2020? Uh, Are you going to be doing some beach stuff, you know, getting the, the physique ready for uh, Coda? Or what? what's your plans? Yeah, I mean, I always tend to get this little dad bod, you know, like around this time of year. Uh-huh. But I've been working hard on that. And I went to my first spin class last night, which I've never done, and uh, it, it it kicked my butt. But you know, I I'm not going to brag or anything, but I did get like the third highest wow. score in the class of like 18 people who would do Ooh. it all the time. So my other cycling obviously translated to that. But yeah, I'm I've got some big plans to uh, to to be in the uh, the best shape I can possibly be in by the time we go to Coda. So if that answers your question, then. That's great. Yeah, I love it. So a little bit on this past month, because I feel like this will really translate well into what you guys have going on. Um, So now that I moved in with my personal trainer, I actually live close to my best friend, Ian, as well. And we have have the same personal trainer. And uh, I'm not, like I said, I try to stay away from education. So sometimes I make some pretty stupid remarks. And I started a bet with uh, my personal trainer who's obviously paid to be in good shape um i said hey let's see who's in the best shape at the end of the 30 days and that 30 days up is on monday and i can tell you right now that i'm so stressed um because we have a 300 bet in a box of krispy kreme on the line and boy uh i've been sick a little bit uh just you know i've been out of it a couple days and uh I made a bet with someone who's went to school for training and I have gotten to the point where I've kind of doubted that I'm going to have a box of Krispy Kreme donuts. So it's uh, yeah. next week might What's be a little What's the parameter? Per- percentage of fat content? We got, we, yeah, we're doing some uh, body fat percentage we're doing some weight loss we're gonna we have a baseline of workouts that we do in the gym so we'll see who performs best at the end and uh i've lost i think depending on the scale i've either lost a whopping one pound a whopping seven pounds or gained three pounds so i don't really know like it's just i am so confused at this point but i i think that i paul and i have a same uh goal for our off season kind of lose the dad bod and i mean i'm a little too young to have there the dad bod so it kind of scares me though. so it's possible there are good for yeah, you that's yeah um yeah, i'm not one of good. them thankfully <laughs> i don't think i'm ready for that i i can barely take care of myself at this you're responsible so individual I, uh, <laughs> try to stay away from that oh my god Ooh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I would go as far as responsible. I just would say that I try to not do it. <laughs> so you just got to keep your body fat under double digits, I guess. 
Yeah, right now I'm sitting at like uh, seven. So Damn. I feel like that's a pretty good number. Yeah. Um, I'm a I'm a little bit on the tall and lengthy side, so my <laughs> the scale kind of yells at me from time to time. Did you say so, tall and lengthy? Yeah, yeah. I got some long dangling arms. <laughs> I look like somebody like grabbed my Man, arms. Man, you could be a power forward in their truck. College. So, That's a power forward it, position right there. My luck is definitely basketball. Uh, yeah, but I felt I, I still think I'm about a foot too short for that. And and, and if you've seen me on the basketball court, you can definitely would be I could probably be a power that forward work. on an elementary school team though. <laughs> And that, that, uh, yeah, it's a star. It's a star. I mean, hey, be a, be a power yeah, honestly, forward for a high school team and, and racing junior cup. I mean, it's, you got it going on. It's all good. I don't know. High school is a little too, too talented for me. I think I got to drop it down to elementary school or middle school. Just, I mean, respectfully, I know where my talent levels are at with a, a ball sport and it's less That's than good. stellar. Well, so <laughs> I'm going to stick to two wheels for the most part. I, as long as, you- as long as you show up at the first round in better shape than Greg White, I think you're going to be okay. Ooh. Yeah, actually, I think uh, first round comes around, I might come out with a, a bow and arrow too. walk around. and what? Oh, I wish Halloween. I think next year for Halloween, I might dress up as Greg White. I don't know. Just spitballing some ideas. I wouldn't wait you for, have a Robin I wouldn't wait Hood for Halloween. I just break it out at the at the first. That's a good at idea. The test yeah. at, at our first test of the year, just show up. That'd be pretty good. You know, I think I'm gonna do some Conor McGregor stuff next year. Show up uh, at the track in like a suit. You know, just kind of class up the paddock a little bit. Or yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm gonna go. Maybe a top hat in there. Just kind of. Agreed. I think so too. You remind me of Conor McGregor a lot. Yeah, your your physique and and your your strength. His righteous beard. uh, My tattoos. (laughs) Yeah. You don't have a tattoo. Okay, answer me this. Do you have a tattoo? There's no way you do. No, no, no. All right. No. Good boy. I uh, I've thought about him, but you know the thought of having a needle pierce me a few times. I mean, going to the doctors is enough for me. So. Uh, maybe at one point, but it's probably more so a bet that I'd lose that I'd get a tattoo. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> I lost a bet once and had to run a marathon. Ooh, yeah. See, I wouldn't enter that bet. My body's not ready for a marathon. Nah, no, 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 no. I don't like that idea. You know, you can you keep know, that one to yourself. You know that even though. You wouldn't right. think that Sean's been to jail and he told us that he hasn't. So I believe him. But would you yeah, would you think yeah. that Sean would have a tattoo? You know, don't take a face to this one, Sean. <laughs> Tramp I could see him oh, yeah. a butterfly. You nailed it. Back. That's exactly what I've got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I could see that. I, I, I feel like he's got that kind of like high school, you know, misfit thing going on so right um and then paul i think i could see you having a tattoo as well or is like it a left cheek or like an upper thigh <laughs> well, uh, maybe i i have his i have ankle, mouse? Ooh, i could see an ankle i could see one on his ankle like a little uh who what he loves disney mickey mouse disney. yeah mickey mouse tattoo on his left <laughs> ankle i could see that 
I'm not a Disney. Are you a Disney guy? No, I'm not a Disney fan whatsoever. I think it's an overcharged, overcharging um, (laughs) theme park for that takes advantage of families. Well, that's a strong statement. That's a strong what statement. What is happening with you? Okay, I like that one. What in God's uh, name is with break, his Off the track, breaking the internet. <laughs> I don't know, but we should probably yeah. stop. We're going off the handle now. I don't, I don't. It's just getting good. We got, what do you guys think of the Cybertruck? How about that? We'll, we'll start breaking the internet with this. The what? Oh, you guys geez, do your that pre-order thing's ridiculous. On that? The Cybertruck. I, I don't even oh, get that. God. It looks like. Well, it looks like something from Lost in Space. Oh, not a fan. From the 60s. You know. Yeah. Yeah? Well, maybe. I saw a meme. I, it looks like it. Personally. It looks like the drawing we all drew of cars. Yeah, there's like no, eight. Well, the stick the figure popped out. The only thing I do like the, about yeah, it, though, yeah, is yeah, it, I think it's got an integrated ramp that yeah. comes down the back um, so you can load a bike in the back of it. So that's kind of cool. I mean, it's already part of it. What? Okay, let me tell you something, oh, Sean. I'm so bad at loading them. Yeah. Sean, the guy who buys that truck is going to be a guy right from around here because I see <laughs> these guys all the time and I can see the ones that are already going to buy the thing. And they won't the even there, there won't even be a piece of plywood <laughs> from Home Depot ever put in the back of that truck, much less a motorcycle. No. So whatever cool ramp they have uh-huh. isn't going to be used. <laughs> I... I see that a lot. I don't get why. Uh, I feel like a lot of people lift their truck. I don't know, like two feet, and I don't know at what point that that is still a functional truck. I uh, can barely get a like bike the in the back of a like, regular truck, much less one that's been raised up. I I could tell you a story from a couple, like maybe a month ago. I was loading a dirt bike up in the back of my truck and damn near fell out of it. So I mean. I don't know how people with the big lifted trucks are getting in there anything in there. I don't even think I could throw a hay bale in one of them. <laughs> I don't think I could pick a hay bale. Especially up. for you, Sean. You got short little legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... Maybe get you like an El Camino. I don't think his get legs you, like, are short. I... Low riders. I don't think his legs are short. I think it's just his torso is long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got a long tour, so. Yeah, people, we probably lost. All right, guys, let's wrap this thing up. Oh, boy. Whoever is still listening. (laughs) Yeah, before it gets too bad. I think we might have gained some. (laughs) Maybe. All right, Andrew, we will um, catch up with you again, and I have good feelings that all is going to work out for you, and we're going to see you on the Moto America grids, not in Junior Cup, but on the Moto America grids, and uh, and we look forward to that. You're always a pleasure to have – on our podcast and in our uh, media center, I actually kind of got a little sick of seeing you in the media center because you won so many races, but I just felt bad mainly for the other guys <laughs> that never get to go and hang out with Sean and I. But uh, anyway, congratulations. It's a privilege. I, I enjoyed it. I know you did. Congratulations on two very good seasons and, uh, and, and hopefully more good stuff comes your way. And I'm sure you'll keep us updated on, on what's going on so we can tell our fans. But, uh, and you, Sean, uh, I'm glad you haven't been to jail, yeah. but yet. Yeah. The night is young. Right. <laughs> the night is young. I've been in the back of a the police. Night, the night is young. I've been in the back of a police car, just kind of from a uh, a teenage prank. And I can tell you, just being in that car for like a couple of minutes was enough to, you know, I was scared straight, so scared to speak. Scared straight. That's what it was. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's it. That's it. I didn't even have to go to jail to get scared. I just got scared just being in the car because there's Jeez. no there's no door handles to get what out. I know. That's what that's what led oh. me to the life I have now, which doesn't feature much crime. <laughs> much. Much crime. <laughs> much. Yeah, much is the key word. All right, well, guys. thanks guys. Thanks you thank you for having me here and uh hope you guys have a good off season and I look forward to listening to the next podcast you guys have with another another writer. All right, happy holidays, guys. Thank you. Bye.